0: Hello, I'm Kelly Cross, and I'll be doing the scripture reading for today. Um, it is an honor to read for you all, but it's also an honor to come after my mom. So um, the first comes from John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Acts four twelve and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Romans three twenty-one through 26. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. The last one comes from 1 Timothy 1, 15 through 17. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason that in me As the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good morning. I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church, and welcome. Welcome those who are visiting today, and welcome back those who consider this their church family. Um, Today, we come to the last sermon in this explicit lyrics of the faith sermon series. And for our last sermon, I am going to give you the secret sermon code key, if you will. I'm going to give you the hidden outline and in guide in behind every single sermon I've written or any other pastor that preaches the gospel per se has ever written and will write. Yeah, I went to seminary for four years, and I'm going to give you the secret right now. (laughs) Let me let you know, this is like revealing Coca-Cola's secret formula. (laughs) That hard-to-figure-out Big Mac special sauce recipe. Colonel Sanders' 11 herbs and spices. And yes, Amelie's salted caramel brownies (laughs) recipe. This explicit lyric of the gospel is divine intellectual property, right? That, that God has franchised through the Bible to all ministers of the gospel. And I am going to share you, with you the divine formula for world and life transforming truth that God put in plain view through the thousand year, thousands of years of biblical history. And let me let you know, when you get this, formula, this recipe, you can use it to batter and lather and dip and season and cover and wash and integrate and stock everything in your life by it. The secret, the good news message and power of salvation of all is the gospel. And I can sum up the gospel in a 10-word simple recipe. We are sinners, and Jesus is the Savior of sinners. And this gospel is a superlative reality, not only because it can be described as God's Word itself describes it as excellent and magnificent and wonderful and marvelous and supreme and consummate and outstanding and remarkable plan to save humankind, but the gospel is superlative because it explicitly says that we are all sinners. Secondly, Jesus Christ is the only Savior of sinners. And finally, that we are justified by faith alone in Jesus. Superlative. All sinners, only one Savior, and faith alone. The gospel is superlative. The gospel refuses to let us escape this fact. We are all sinners. Look with me at the Romans passage beginning at verse 21. And I have all these little yellow tabs. So please excuse me as I try to flip through it to try to get there quicker. It says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. And here is the verse to pay close attention to. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And man, this gets real technical, right? You know what the Greek for all is? All. (laughs) I studied it a lot this week. I mean, I went to every word study I could find, every commentary I could find, and it all said the same thing. They all said the same thing. All means all, as in everybody and anybody who has ever been somebody somewhere and anywhere and that has been anywhere, right, any time in every part of history, from the belly of mama to the bottom of a six-foot deep hole in the ground, right, there is no one that this does not apply to. And Paul, the one who wrote this book, has gone through great pains to make sure none of us can escape all three chapters worth and even more of explanation up to this point to help us understand that those who are the moral majority, the religious, the good people, the kind of people we all want in our neighborhood, and... Yeah, the wildest, most immoral, obviously they ain't right people, the doing and did wrong, and everyone in between, the moral extremes are all in one superlative, but one, but not right, exclusive category and group we call sinners. Which means we are all too broken to save ourselves. And that no one is or can be good enough to be right enough to be acceptable to God. Look at what Paul makes explicitly clear in verse 23 again. We're going to wear this verse out a little bit today. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Paul is saying we are doubly broke down sinners. You know, you can kind of make it on a little fracture, but this is a compound fracture. This is a doubly broke down sinner. When he says sin, the word means first miss the mark to break God's law. And then when it says here that we fall short, it means late, short, slack, not enough. It is saying that as far as being good enough for God's holy requirements, that we all have run a race and fallen down before the finish line. Maybe even at mile 25.9999 of a 26-mile marathon of life or that we stopped trying before it all started. But in God's superlative gospel measurement, unless you hit the mark, that mark is a bullseye right in the middle. No, No horseshoe gospel here. No maybe, maybe we got a little close. How did Willy Wonka say it at the end? You know, the old Willy Wonka. You broke the rules. Oh, I can't do it. My acting chops ain't that good. Gene Wilder said it's the best, right? You broke the rules. You stole fizzy lifting drinks, right? But we made it till the end. No, you didn't. You broke the rules. Look, you get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. Remember that? This is what the gospel is saying. All the rest of the kids, oh, we, we saw Willy Wonka. The rest of the kids, they did wrong. They stole this. They did that. You know, Charlie and his dad kind of did it to the side, but he was a good little kid. You know, he was poor and all, and they got to be there. You were pulling for Charlie, but guess what? Willy Wonka's right. No matter how good you are, you lose. We failed. Whether you missed the whole target or go right on the outside of the middle or 9.999 tight groupings and all of that, whether you've been a good little lamb all of your life, you always got smiley faces on the report card. You got straight A's or acted like mama used to say to me, like a howling fool monkey, right? We are all in the same category. Sinners, get this, whether you didn't please God enough because someone else tripped you or discouraged you or passed you a lace water cup along the race or also because you went a little off course, you and I are sinners, which means we have not only done things to break ranks and follow our own ways beside God's, but we are simply broken and injured and marred and damaged not only by the sin of breaking God's law and thought, word, and deed, but by what others have done to us we don't go into a store to buy something precious and and they say oh well a little kid broke that just take it anyway we're like we don't care about the sorry little moral story just just take this sandwich you know a kid just threw up on it or something Wait, i went too far It was just a little kid mistake. Just pay for it. We'd be like, are you crazy? We have all kind of reasons why we aren't good or good enough. But it all falls in the same category. The point Paul is making is that we are all too broken to save ourselves from our own sin and sinful state. And if that is true, and it is, then we can also never be good enough to please God or cover up or make up or fix ourselves and our world and our minds and hearts to clean up and act or thinking or do enough good deeds to create enough justice or equalize enough good karma for God to say, yes, I like that person enough based on what they did to accept them into holy relationship with me for all eternity. No, it is never enough. I like good people. I think in this room, most of y'all are good. But God is not impressed. But enough about that gospel superlative, right? If you need to go deeper, I've done a whole sermon on being sinners, right? In this sermon series, Explicit Lyrics, that's online. You can review and it can challenge you in this area because I'm ready to get away from the true but bad news of this superlative gospel and on to, the, to one of the good and true superlative parts of the gospel, which is this. Jesus is the only savior of sinners. The gospel is superlative not only in its inclusivity, in that we are all sinners, but superlative in its exclusivity, right? Because what this means is that everyone, all sinners, can be saved by one Savior. And that is awesome news because there is no confusion on how this person or that person can be saved. That maybe they have it right or their deity is the one or that this one was really some human created thing. No, the Bible is saying good news for all the sinners on the earth. There really exists a Savior for all of us. And that one Savior for the whole world, that one name for salvation for the whole world is Jesus Christ. Look at how the Bible says it. Look at our John passage where the disciples are. They are um, uh, asking Jesus, right? How can we follow you to this place, this this state you call eternal life, Lord? How can we have heaven and right standing and grace before God? And Jesus answers them in verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me man that seems pretty clear no one comes to the father except through him Interesting, Jesus doesn't say, it's my teachings. If you are a PhD expert on what I said, you can get in. Or if you go to Jesus Seminary, or if you follow my example, or or treat me like a wise, good civil rights leader, or my words like some sort of Confucius-like Jesus says, fortune cookie, cookie words to happiness and hope. No, Jesus says clearly that he, right, him, right, alone as Lord and Savior gets you eternal life. These apostles are saying, now that Jesus has bodily left, there are lots, right, of of, of ideas about how people escape the brokenness and sin of this world and all of its bad things. There are lots of conjecture and all sorts of religions and all sorts of people and traditions. But here is the truth about the church, a superlative of the gospel, of the Bible's whole message. That Christ alone saves. Look with me at the Acts passage um, and, and he, hear the apostles talking, and, and people are wondering what is this Christianity going to be about now that Jesus has left the earth, now that you're left here? What, what should we expect? Verse 12 in chapter 4 of Acts. And they said it, and there is salvation. And no one else. Now hear this. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. How exclusive is Christianity? Not very when we talk about who can or needs to be saved. All and every type of person. But it is very exact, simple even, right? And very clear when it comes to salvation. It is by Christ alone. No other religion, no other philosophy, no other spirituality, no other scientific grounding can or will save you from sin but Jesus. So we as Christians, we're enamored. We're moved, we're centered, even naming our churches stuff like Christ Central, right? And all of that stuff because of the one who is the only and one Savior, Jesus Christ, because He alone was sent to save, and no one or anything else can do it. Do that for all of us with all of our mess. Y'all know, for those who know me just a little bit, as far as being a Clemson fan, I ain't half-stepping. I look for, and I think orange is a primary color. I think that it's a fashionable option. I think that the tiger is a native species of South Carolina. Well, with that said, I went to the spring orange and white game. I went dressed in the garb like any proud alum would, right? Par excellence from head to feet, $100 plus jersey, orange hat, orange shorts, orange shoes. And with all of that, I wasn't going to get up into that exclusive West End Zone facility. To eat with the football players, coaches, and VIPs, and get in with the head coach. I wasn't getting up there. Even with all of my righteous orange love, only one name in person was gonna get me up there in that day. There's a former member here at Christ Central named (laughs) Thomas Austin, (laughs) who's now a grad assistant coach there. I saw him on the field. And he saw me in the stands and I cried out, Thomas! <laughs> I was texting too. He was texting me back and I'm trying to find him. And, we, and, I, and look, guys, I was so excited. He was like, come on, man, come on, we're gonna go. I jumped over, you know, you saw how all the people jump over the wall? I'm 43. <laughs> I jumped and I fell. I hopped up quick, though, so if you look for two seconds, you wouldn't be able to tell if I fell. My boys were like, Dad, please don't tell us you fell, please. (laughs) Yes, Daddy fell. And when we connected, he was the only one who'd get me in. Not my nice jersey, not my love for Clemson, not my religious fandom all these years. It came down to one servant coach, Thomas. And I don't care who you are or how much you know or how much you act like a religious person. There is but one person, a name, to get you where God would have you, Jesus Christ. And so you might be asking yourself, Pastor Brown, based on a sermon series last week on hell, and even the one before that on broken sexuality and the brokenness of our sexuality, you believe, And the Bible is teaching that there is no escaping eternal punishment after this life and no ultimate healing and hope for our different degrees of brokenness, like the sexual brokenness stuff outside of Jesus. No, I don't believe there's any other hope for you outside of Christ. Because the Bible says there is no other name. And by no other being or person, no amount of counseling you can go to, but Jesus as our Savior and Lord, you can be redeemed from all the stuff you are dealing with. It just is by one person. Jesus for everything and everybody all the time and in every situation to save us from the good and the bad that would stop us from getting favor and fatherhood and right relationship with God. And because Jesus is the only Savior of sinners, we are justified that saved by faith alone. Look back, thought, look back at our Roman passage real quick. Um, most of you are just using the paper. I'm flipping there. Let's read it again. to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So according to the Bible, we are all in the same bind and all have been given the same way to salvation. As sinners, we can and are saved by Christ alone. But we are guilty, people, before God in a way that Jesus alone must take care of according to these scriptures. We are guilty of sin, and we have not done enough good works and not done enough works good enough to please God. It has never been enough. Hear me now. It has never been enough to be clean and clear of your sins. Don't misunderstand the gospel. Oh, I've never sinned. Great. How many good things have you done? And of those good things have you, that you've done, have you done them with the right heart? And have you done enough good things? Did you pass somebody by this morning who needed something? Did you forget to tell your wife this morning you love her? Did you forget? To, I mean, the Bible is saying it is not enough to take a bath. You got to put some clothes on too, right? Think how crazy that is. Would be if we just came to church naked we would be like, what's wrong with you? You are out of your mind. But I'm clean. <laughs> A clean, naked person walk around is still not right, something wrong with them. So Romans is saying that Jesus came to be the fancy word in verse 25, the propitiation for us as the only one who could save us from the sin condemnation. And propitiation means appeasing a payment satisfied, a taking care of the debt, but the debt is double. Jesus as, as the only saver, just didn't take our sins away and clean us, right? And being being condemned in our place for our sins, but he lived a perfect life and let his perfect record clothe us to count as ours. When we are justified or saved, we are declared righteous. We are united to Jesus and his righteousness covers us. This is the trading places right? This is the prince and the pauper kind of thing. As the prince of salvation, he took on our pauper, right? And he looked and he looked like and became a twin of the sinful us, and God took out his wrath on him, and then he dressed those who believe in him in royal clothing that justified, that propitiated, if that's a word, the sin problem. It fixed things. Now, here's a hard and scandalous part of the gospel. Justification, the process and work by which Jesus provides salvation along for, for sinners like you and me, is completely and completely the work and free gift of God to sinners. It is he, in verse 26, Romans said, who justifies and is the justifier. It means this. It is not your works or your good behavior or you being a sinner that Jesus could handle or because you promised to change your life. You have no idea how I keep hearing the same thing. Want to come to Christ today? Nah, man, you know, I got to get my life straight first. What? No one gets a gift at Christmas and says, I can't accept that gift. I got to get my life straight first. It's a gift. It's a gift of salvation. Let me just go ahead and say it. You can't promise God enough for Him to save you. Well, you know, if I'm going to take that step, you know, I got to make sure these things are in order. What? As if those things in being in order are the thing that's gonna hold you in faith with God anyway. Those things don't do it. Faith is something we, I mean, justification is something we receive freely from God. A promise is a work. Promising God that you're gonna do better now. Okay, breaking all your albums up, man, when I was in college, I was already saved, but I wasn't really saved. I was saved, but I got to be super saved. Man, I tore up all my good albums. And we were like, thank you, God. It wasn't even a sanctifying thing, you know? It was just sort of like God really loves us now, not I really want to do this out of love for God and thank gratitude for what he's done. It was more like we trying to prove to ourselves and prove to God that we're worth being his. It don't work like that, and we could have saved a lot of money. We go go out to eat a decent amount as a family. and My boys, they get it. Because they get it, they get it all, right? They go in and get a menu. And they sit down. And they figure out what they want. And those presumptuous little boys order it. Not because they have money. Or are paying or have a history of paying ever. (laughs) Or because they order because they know, hey, you know, mom and dad go home. The room going to be clean. No. (laughs) Those boys have faith. Faith. The kind of faith that makes you open the menu and say, can I get the shrimp, please? That's faith. The kind of faith that makes you open a menu and, you know, at 12 and 13 years old say, hey, we gonna get an appetizer? What? <laughs> you remember McDonald's was family time out? You know, ain't no shrimp or steak. You know what I'm saying? Hey, daddy, can I get a, a crab cake with the shrimp? What? <laughs> you little presumptuous, faithful kid. They have faith that I am paying and have paid it all. God wants you, me, and all sinners to come to Jesus alone with confidence that they can be saved and washed and declared righteous with the freedom to act and walk in this world as if everything God has for his children is theirs because Jesus has paid it all. And they have faith alone in what he has done to make them acceptable and to worship him and hopeful and prayerful and thankful and joyful. When it says Jesus paid it all, it means Jesus has paid all necessary for you to live by grace and grow and change and have assurance that you are God's the apostle paul who wrote the book of romans even finds himself living by this formula look at what he says in first timothy he says this the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that christ jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom i am the foremost but I receive mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So Paul does a superlative praise here at the end because he recognized that he is saved alone by Jesus Christ. I mean, here's a man who used to kill Christians and say, God wants you Christians dead. And he realizes that Jesus appears to him and gives him mercy. He realizes that that the gift of God, the justification that he stands in, is because of what Christ did alone. And now he lives this life like an open menu life now to God's grace. And he opens up scripture and he opens up his mouth and he, he gets what he needs from God's grace because he recognizes Jesus has given him access to it free of his charge, but all to Christ's charge. So hear me circumstance, your stubborn sin, your sinful history, this harsh word, world, your less than stellar track record, your inconsistency, your struggles, your family history, your potential problems, your lack of Bible knowledge, none of these things can separate you or me from the loving and gracious righteous standing that God has graciously offered and given to us in Jesus because it is by faith and not by works that you are saved. I like how the Bible puts it in verse 24 in Romans it says this And all and and we are all justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The gospel is a superlative gift. More than anything we could do for ourselves, more than we deserve, more than we could ever lose or get rid of. You know why and how you you and I believe this explicit lyric or any of them? Because God has given us an opportunity to have eternal life. Not by shaky words or forfeited by our shaky sin, but by faith alone in the finished work of Jesus. When the gospel began to be shared during the time a lot of this stuff, this New Testament scripture was being written back in the first century AD, it was dubbed as the scandalous faith. A scandalous religion because it was teaching that sinners and the non religious would be loved and in covenant relationship with a holy God. Now get this, not because they had turned good or had promised to be good, who had earned or paid enough sacrifices to warrant it, but because their Lord Jesus had taken what was not theirs to get and given it to them. And one of the number one complaints was this, if this good news message gets out, people will take advantage of God there is no way they will change or could be trusted to be God's people and be people who called on God. The gospel is not confused. It is actually calling people like you and me to not trust ourselves, to not bring your sacrifices to be saved, to not make human size and back promises to God and to not trust in your goodness. It is unlike anything in the world. Think about if he went for a job. Hey, um, So tell me how you can help the company. I'm not sure. I'll probably do some wrong things. But I'm sure y'all will take up the slack. It is calling us to simply trust that we are sinners, and Jesus is the only Savior of sinners, and that it is by faith alone that we are saved. What's the tenth anniversary of Katrina? Some of the images, are something else. You know, I noticed when I was looking at some of the stuff that the lifelines were never enough. Just throwing out a float to somebody in most instances was never enough. Someone had to drop down and grab and get and in their rescuer strength save people who couldn't even hold on to and for their own lives. Jesus dropped down in our world. And in doing so, he suffered our sins in order to embrace and grab us and hold on to us and rescue us and save us. And we call Jesus Lord. And we worship him as a superlative in this superlative gospel. It is Jesus, the Savior of us, who is excellent and magnificent and wonderful and marvelous, and supreme, and outstanding, and preeminent. The gospel is superlative. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, this simple, very scandalous message holds this whole thing together. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lord, it's easy for those of us who've begun to live the church life, the Christian life, to forget. Help us, God, to know it's by grace we've been saved and not by our works or goodness. Lord, I pray that you would motivate your people to change lives, to sanctified lives, because by faith Christ has the power to not only save them and justify them, but sanctify them. Lord, I pray for those who hear this message today who may have been tricked deceived, lied to that somehow Christianity was about being good people instead of sinners who by faith trust in a perfect God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray right now for hearts that are right there. I pray, Lord, that you would move on them to accept you as Lord and Savior. Lord, we thank you that this is the truth. We praise you for this message of grace, the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.